Hello and a hearty welcome to My Big Story, the podcast where seemingly ordinary people share their extraordinary stories. I'm your host, Mike Malone, and my guest is Pasquale Palumbo, Jeopardy champion Pasquale Palumbo. Hey, Pasquale. What's going on, Mike? How you doing, my friend? I can't complain. Things are good. You know, enjoying the summer. Uh vacillating between the massive thunderstorms and the oppressive humidity, but that's typical for New York. <laughs> yes, that is New York in the summer. Oh, so I, I want to talk about Jeopardy. Uh, tell me when the whole pursuit of uh, a Jeopardy appearance began for you. In a nutshell, probably the first time I ever watched the show when I was nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, I would say probably about 20 years ago, I started to take the online test whenever it uh, came around. Uh, that was like pretty much the dawn of like the internet, I guess, when Al Gore turned it on. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was just a series of take the test whenever it's offered and never hear anything. You don't even get a result when you take it, you know, to see whether or not you did well. How long um, does, it, did, does it take to take the test? Um, it's 30 questions in or maybe it's 50 questions in 30 seconds. I forget what the time is. It's not it doesn't take that long. Because okay. it's rapid fire. You only have a few seconds to respond to each one. Okay. Um, it doesn't really take long at all. That's why. And, and just as a, you know, public service announcement, I, I recommend everybody take it uh, because now you can take it at any time. You don't have to register and wait for them to email you. It's anytime available whenever you want to take it. So okay. good to know. You, know, you never know what's going to happen. So. Okay, so so you took the online test, and then uh, presumably somebody called you back at some point and said, "Hey, we, we'd like to get you in." Yeah, well, no, I got an email in the I want to say the summer of 2019, inviting me to an in-person audition. At first, I thought it was spam or whatever, but then I kind of like dug deep into it and sent an email back. Is this legit? Yeah, it is. You know, so they um, they invited me down to Manhattan to go in and do an in-person thing. And when you go there, you take another online test and then you also take a written one, which I was skeptical about because I have horrendous penmanship. Okay. Um, so I was like, oh boy. And then while you're there, they pair you, they match you up with two other people and you do a mock round as if you're on, on state on set. Yeah. Um, it's obviously it's not as glamorous. It's uh, you know, there's no Trebek there. Uh, in the audition process, but you do get to use a signaling device or something very similar to it, and you get to feel the rhythms of the game. And that was the first time I realized that the game is not so much about what you know, it's how well you perform on the buzzer. Oh, really? Yeah, Uh, because realistically speaking, everybody on that stage knows the responses to most of the clues. Hmm. It's a question of who gets in first. So as soon as a question ends, you can click in? Yeah, technically, yes. There's um, what happens is the the host reads the clue. As soon as the host finishes reading, a producer activates the signaling device. And at the same time, there are um, signals on the outside of the game board that you can't see at home. You can only see them on set. It's a series of blue lights on the outside. When those light up, that's, you know, ostensibly when you can respond. But most people try to time their their signal with the the host's reading okay uh because that's typically when the producer would be activating the device so you kind of try to time it 
I got so it. it's an it's an inexact science, of course, because you know unless you're Alex Trebek, you're not going to read the clue the same exact way every single time. Right. So that was that was a pretty tricky thing, but yeah, that's that's when you can. So you can't signal early. The device doesn't work, and if you ring in a little bit too early, uh, like shortly before the device is activated, you actually wind up locking yourself out for a fraction of a second, which is all it takes for somebody else to ring in yeah. and respond correctly. So interesting. Okay, and that's something you could never really prepare for in any way. Not really. No, I mean, I did to a certain extent at the audition, they give you a pen that somewhat resembles the signaling device. Okay. And as my, uh, as my recording date approached, I would stand in the middle of the living room stand, mind you, uh, while a game was on TV and I would, you know, try to signal based on the, the end of the, the host's uh, reading. Okay. And I tried to mimic it as best I could, but there was no feedback. I had no idea whether I was doing it right. It was just trying to train my myself a little bit of muscle memory there. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I, you did well enough where you, you were invited to Los Angeles, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I got crushed on the buzzer to a certain extent in that practice, in, in that audition round. But whenever I did bring in uh, first – I wound up responding correctly to every single answer. One of my favorite responses is, who is Yago? He's my favorite character in Shakespeare. So mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And one of the one of the producers, I don't know if they're, you know, really should be saying this, but like, oh, we really like you, so we'll probably call you. I'm like, okay, great. When? Uh, said, anytime within the next 18 months. I'm like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, all right. I mean, I, I, at this point, I had waited, you know, 30, 36 years or whatever it was, 37 years. What's another 18 months? Yeah. Um, but another 18 months at the end of the ordeal wind up being almost another couple of years. Um, because so remember this is in the summer of 2019. Okay. And so I got a call, my phone kept ringing with a, an LA area code, uh, in March of, you know, very early March, or maybe it was late February even of, uh, of 2020. Okay. I don't know anybody from LA. Yeah, you know, who is this? Probably some yeah. spammer. I'm like, all right. Then I saw the voicemail. I said, hi, this is so-and-so from Jeopardy. You know, we'd like to invite you out to the show. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to Should I go? Or should I not go? And I wasn't even really worried about the pandemic, even though, like, we were, still, we were just starting to learn what was going on. Yeah. I was just thinking about, like, my own responsibilities as a husband and a father. I mean, sure. You know, do I take a cross-country trip on a whim? And, you know, as I was just know it wasn't even much of a discussion my wife was like you have to go i'm like i guess i have to go she knew how important it was to you yeah yeah i mean it's it's very rare that you get an opportunity to fulfill a lifelong dream Mm -hmm. and regardless of how i performed you know people don't get to go on that show on a whim it's not like you just buy a ticket and you're on it's a obviously it's an arduous process it took me my whole life so, so they, they wanted you to fly out right around when the pandemic hit and then that got postponed? Yeah, because um, shortly after I had booked my flight, I was supposed to go out in April of 2020. Uh, and just before that, maybe I want to say mid-March, right around when things started to get exceptionally haywire yeah. here in New York, <clears throat> they just decided out there that they were shutting down production. And they were like, listen, you know, we're, we're um, you know, 
we're not recording anything, so stay tuned. I'm like, okay. Uh, they said, you know, this is not, you know, we're not canceling you. Yeah. Uh, we're just stopping production and we'll be in touch. And then like everybody else, we just all went into hibernation for who knows how many months. Right. And uh, it was a waiting game at that point. Okay. So, so at what point did they call back and say, Hey, it's, you're ready to come out now. Around September, we started talking again. They invited me out to a set of dates that I, I had another obligation I could not get out of. Okay. I said, look, I'm sorry. Um, I can't get out of this. If there's a date prior or after, I can work something out, but I couldn't get out of this one obligation. Like, all right, we'll let you know. And then I was about to go out there again in November, and they, they said, hold the dates, but don't buy your tickets. Okay. We don't really quite know what's going to happen. It turned out that Alex had to go get some kind of emergency surgery. And then a few weeks later, he was gone. Oh, boy. So they were like, I don't know what's happening. I'm like, All right, just keep me posted. And they were like, again, it's not your fault. We do want you to come out here. Yeah. And at some point, they were like, can you do this? Can you do that? I said, look, we're going into December. It's, it's year end for me in business. Um, it's the holidays. Just call me in January. And they said, okay, we will. So we spoke again in January. And this is January of this year now. Um, and I was all set to go out, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, for the February 2nd and 3rd tapings. And then I'm, I'm ready to go. And the day before my flight was on February 1st, so January 31st, I'm at my in-laws house. We're all having a celebratory dinner. Good yeah. luck. Congratulations. I get the alert on my phone. This is John F. Kennedy Airport. We are canceling all flights tomorrow. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, because we had a, if you remember, we had a, a pretty big blizzard on February 1st. Okay. <laughs> so like, all right. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even road trip because there's no way I would have made it there in time. Yeah. Um, so I called them and I sent them pictures. Oh, look, look, this is the lovely weather I have right now. And they're like, all right, we'll book you on the next one. And the next one happened to be mid-February. Okay. And, <laughs> of course... Uh, ice storms were predicted for the day I was supposed to fly, but we were uh, we were okay and we were able to get out and and I got out there. Okay, okay. Now you had mentioned uh, Jeopardy being a bit of a dream for you. How much of that was related to Alex Trebek? I, I mean, I think when you look at an icon of American television like that, it's it's pretty alluring to say I have an opportunity to go meet someone that that's significant. Yeah. In the in the history of American television and game shows, uh, and, and from what I hear and what I've known and what I've read, the guy's just an incredible class act. Mm. I'm I'm not the kind of guy that gets starstruck ever. Yeah, I mean, I remember meeting Regis at Madison Square Garden when I was like 12 years old, and I just said hello to him. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't drooling over it even as a little kid. Right, but. You know, to say that I, I would not have experienced a tremendous amount of awe just to be in the guy's presence is, is a lie. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, I mean, it's like anything else you love. If you meet a person that is significantly a part of what you love, of course, you're going to be excited for it. Sure, sure. So uh, uh, Jeopardy entered into a phase of, of guest hosts. And uh, yeah. who did you have as your, your host? I. Fortunately, because of the cancel uh, cancellation of my trip, I wound up with Aaron Rodgers, okay, uh, 
currently the Green Bay Packers quarterback. We don't know what that situation is at this point. But he is the reigning NFL MVP, and I'm a huge football fan. It's been a huge part of my life. I played it, I coached it, and I've watched it forever. Mm. Um, And so I thought it was pretty cool that if I'm on set, it's nice to have a, you know a quarterback at the helm. Sure, sure, and and you and Aaron are football related. Yep. <laughs> yeah, to a certain extent. So, um, my my old head coach in football, Mark Sandonato, he always talked about the lineage and why um, he was proud to be part of a long and storied lineage of coaching, which we were able to trace back to Newt Rockney. Uh, but because of that, uh, Newt Rockney tree. Uh, with uh, Colonel Red Blake up at Army, who coached under Rockney. Um, Red Blake had Vince Lombardi on his coaching staff mm. there. And then there were other gentlemen that led down to Coach Sanadonato and led down to me. So if you trace it back, okay. I'm connected to Vince Lombardi. And since Vince Lombardi is the Green Bay Packers, I'm connected to Aaron Rodgers. And he was, <laughs> he, he's, I said, you know, he said, I, I said, we are football cousins. And he said on the air, four degrees of separation. And I quipped right back, it's better than six. <laughs> nice. So all that time you were sitting at home waiting to get to L.A., were you studying? Were you preparing? Were you clicking on, on the clicker? How were you? Um, some people prepare intently. Yeah. I did not because I couldn't really figure out a good way of how to do it. It's such a broad tableau of possibilities of what they're going to ask you that a lot of it has to just depend on your own reserves of knowledge. I tried to look at lists of all the presidents and when they served, I tried to look at their vice presidents. I tried to look at state capitals, world capitals, um, bodies of water, geography, very broad general knowledge topics as much as I could. But for me, it was more trying to figure out the way the clues are worded because oftentimes the way the clues are worded will give you uh, a hint as to what the correct response is, especially in categories that I am completely unqualified to speak on. So for example, if they give you some kind of uh, category like astrophysics, I know nothing about that, but it's entirely possible that they'll word a clue so much to the, to, to the extent that I, I would be able to respond with something like what is dark matter or what is a black hole? Yeah. Um, and that's what I tried to do more, more so that because language is very important to me. I, I, I studied literature for many, many years. I have two graduate degrees in, uh, in English. So, you know, diction, language, it's all very important. So I figured aside from whatever knowledge I have, let me use the skill at being able to decipher language mm-hmm. to try to help me in that sense. I got it. Okay. So once you were finally on, you, you did okay. Tell us about your uh, performance on the show. Well, I was surprised that I actually did perform well because during rehearsal, uh, I'm a guy that does not get nervous. Yeah. Uh, but during rehearsal, which there was a rehearsal beforehand, I found my mouth completely dry and my hands shaking. And I said, what, am I having a heart attack or something? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, but that was the best thing that could have happened because that got all of it out of me. Okay. Um, and then when we got to play the game, I knew it was going to be difficult because the, the gentleman that was champion was a three-day champion, and he was fantastic. His name is Brandon. Um, he was just amazing. And I knew I was in for a fight. Um, but it, it's just like when you're playing football, 
that first hit gets everything out of you and then you're in the zone. And that's sort of what happened when I was able to ring in and respond correctly the first time I was able to. And then I was like, all right, it, it, it's over. I'm done. I'm in. Let's go. Game time. And then we just we cruised all the way through and uh, neck and neck in the first round. And then in the second round, I just went on a tremendous run and I built a really big lead. And then I landed on a daily double and I had an opportunity to put the game away. And I wagered sizably uh, enough that I would have put a lot of distance between me and the two other competitors. How unfortunately, much did you wager? Uh, I had 18,000 at the time. I wagered 5,000. Okay. Uh, Brandon, who was next close to me, had just a hair over 10,000. Okay. So I would have more than doubled them. And it was late in the round. So even if we had gone neck and neck the rest of the way, I probably would have had what is called a runaway game. Yeah. which means no one can catch you in Final Jeopardy unless you pull the Cliff Clavin and bet everything, okay. <laughs> you know. So, but unfortunately, it was a uh, it was a clue about the Three Musketeers, which I've never read. I'm, you know, uh, my focus was on 20th and 21st century American literature, okay. not French. And if I had had two, three minutes to come up with the response, I probably would have gotten it. But I could not remember the names of all three musketeers, and I had to respond with Porthos. And the only name I could remember was D'Artagnan. So that puts me back down to 13,000, gave Brandon life. And so it was a dogfight going into Final Jeopardy at that point. So, but you know, it, it was correct strategy at the time because I had an opportunity for the kill and I had to take it. Did you get nervous after, at that point in the game? No, but I just got a little disappointed because I'm like, man, I, I may have just blown my opportunity to win. Yeah. You know, but you, you play and you played it all the way through. You can't give up at that point. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. So. Okay. And, uh, and so it came down to final jeopardy and, and that's when you, you clinched it, huh? Yeah. So um, I, the, the category came up with South America. I'm like, great. I don't know squat about South America. I mean, yeah, obviously I know generalities, but um, so I said, well, Brandon's a brilliant um brilliant champion. He's probably going to get this right. So, I mean, I have the most money going in. I was only up by a thousand going into the final. I said, let me make sure that uh, if I wager, I put myself in a position to win, but if I get it wrong, uh, I can guarantee myself second place because the prize is is 2000 for second and 1000 for third. Yeah. So I wagered, uh, a little bit over $7,000. I think it was 7,001 of my 14 and change that I had. Um, and the clue comes out and you had to give two of the three met, uh, capitals in South America that had populations of over 10 million. Okay. So I'm like, okay. So I just started to think about what are some of the capitals that I know. So I wrote down what are Rio and Buenos Aires. And then I was like, wait a second, Rio is not a capital. So I crossed that out, and I was trying to think of Santiago in Chile. I didn't know if it had 10 million or more. Yeah. But I all I could think of was Sao Paulo, which again is not a capital city. So I just wrote that. So Aaron comes out and reads the, uh, you know, reads the, uh, comes out to go down all of our responses, and Abby, who was next to me, who really had a hard time getting in on the board because Brandon and I were so clutch, but she kept hitting on the large value categories so she was she was certainly alive too with ten thousand that she had uh it was anybody's game um she wagered all of it and responded incorrectly 
Brandon responded incorrectly. And this is the point where I'm like, okay, how much did he wager? And he wagered all but $2. Oh my gosh. And at that moment, I knew that I won. Yeah. But they tell you going in before the round, the, the final Jeopardy round starts, no matter what happens, please maintain a poker face for the drama at home. Okay. You know, do the best you can. So, all right. I stayed stoic. And then, you know, my my response was revealed. And he was like, no, that's not. We All three of us responded correctly with Buenos Aires. But we did not, uh, we did not write uh, Lima or Bogota, which were the okay. other two possible correct answers. Um, and he's like, let's see what you wagered. And then he revealed my wagers. Like, all right, interesting. Uh, you know, not a big win, but a win nonetheless. Yeah. So, um at that moment, I, I became champion, and it was exhilarating. Yeah, t- tell me about the feeling. It, it was overwhelming, you know, just completely overwhelming. You know, it's not often in life you get to experience the joy of winning a championship of any kind, whether it's, uh, you know, when you if you coach in Little League and your kid wins the whole league that year, or like me when I coached football, we, we won the league one year, we won a bowl game, that was outstanding. Yeah, uh, but this was something—an individual accomplishment—that very, very, very few people on the planet have ever been able to do, and I'm one of them now. Oh, sure. And that's that's exceptionally significant. So, talk about coming back home. The reception you get from from friends, from neighbors—it's funny because uh, I run into people around town, and you know they'll ask me a question, and I'll respond like. Uh, uh, you didn't say it in the form of a question. I'm like, oh, gee, thanks, you know. And then other people, you know, I, I may say something incorrectly. Oh, some Jeopardy champion you are. You know, they, they break my chops a lot. But it's fun. I get recognized places. It's kind of cool. Again, I'm not big into the celebrity thing. Yeah. You know, and, and if if I'm a celebrity, I'm maybe I'm Z-list at best. Okay. Um, but it's kind of cool, you know. Um yeah, I'm not going to live it down. I'm not going to run away from it, but I'm also not going to be like, hey, look at me. I'm the Jeopardy champ. I'm not that kind of guy. Like, they gave me a cap that says Jeopardy on it, but I don't wear it because I don't want people to, like, come running up to me because some people are, uh, you know, you know, they call, I guess they call them clout chasers or something like that. Okay. They want to talk to me just to be close to someone who had a cup of, uh, not even a cup of coffee, a sip of coffee of fame right. on television. Um, but if anybody asks me questions, I'm happy to talk about it. It's, you know, it's a hell of an experience. Oh, sure. Um, sure. Why not? But again, at the same time, though, it's important to note that it, it was an opportunity for me to fulfill a lifelong dream. And all it really took for me was to continue to take that test on, uh, online. And, and I encourage everybody, take it. You never know what's going to happen. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So in terms of... Uh great memories in life is this at the top of the list yeah it's it's you know it's top two or three obviously getting married and the birth of my two children this is probably right behind there i can't really see too many other things there uh beating this uh in the past or really going forward you know it'll have to be something significant maybe by some miracle i you know wind up you know president of the earth or something like that (laughs) You know, but other than that, um, you know, but I can't sit on that either. I mean, I, I'm, I'm 46 years old. I'm, I'm not done living yet. I can't say, you know, live on that for the next 30 years and say, oh, I was Jeopardy champion for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, hey, what's your day job? Uh, I'm a, I'm an insurance professional. 
Okay. Okay. And so any other game shows you have your eye on or, or was it all Jeopardy pretty much? Well, it's always been Jeopardy, but um, I am thinking about trying to get on The Chase, which is the show that's been running on ABC okay. uh, over the last few months, which actually has the three f- biggest, most famous former Jeopardy champions on there okay. as people you need to beat. And it seems that the producers of that show tend to choose former Jeopardy contestants uh, at, that I've noticed. So I, I'm, I have to wait, I think, 18 months before I can uh, audition for it. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I figure, what the hell? Why not? Um, and that's a, a trivia quiz? Yeah, so? I would think trivia-based. I mean, I, I could do Wheel of Fortune, but I enjoy it, but it's not really my cup of tea. Yeah. Because that's there's a lot of randomness in that game. It's not as skilled as uh, as a, a, a pure trivia game would be. Maybe millionaire. I don't know. You know I who wants it. to be a millionaire? So. <laughs> All right. Well, a huge thank you to Pasquale Palumbo for sharing his big story. Pasquale, great to hear from you, my friend. I appreciate you having me, Mike. Oh, thanks for being on. Uh, thank you also to Brian Doherty of Running Dog for our theme song. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for listening to my big story. Until next time. Until next time.